much, Pastor Pablo. I appreciate his friendship, and, and uh, I'm excited. Your family's growing, bro. Like, you're growing. My wife and I got five, so you got to kind of keep, keep at it, man. It's, it's all right. It's all right. You want to stay warm, have more kids. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. But it's so good to be here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Doug and, and, and Pastor Pablo, for just your welcome and receiving us. Thank you so much. And we stayed at that wonderful hotel that you guys put us up in True. Never stayed in the True Hotel. It's called True. True. It was, it was nice, colors everywhere, whatever, it was beautiful, uh, and, and just that, it was, it was awesome, and my wife and I get a chance to, usually we travel with our kids, we got five of them, but um, we, we, we actually like being by ourselves um, sometimes too, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's just, you know, we take a trip to Costco and it's like a big deal, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's just really nice being able to travel alone. And uh, where they're at right now, we don't know. Like, we don't know. We don't even care, actually. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm not a bad guy. It's with my mother-in-law. I love her so much. But it's just so good to be here. I'm really excited. Um, we, I'm from Brooklyn, but we now live in Jersey and South Jersey. We lived in North Jersey for quite some time, and now we're in South Jersey. So it's a little bit different. Like when we go to church, there's usually no people. So to be in church and be with people is like a blessing. And so I'm so glad to be here. So thank you so much. Uh, and, and you know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. You know that? And so you guys are so blessed to have an incredible lead pastor and also your staff pastors. They work really hard amongst you, and they need to be recognized and honored. So can we put our hands together for them? Thank you so much, Pastor. My wife and I served as lead pastors there in Newark, New Jersey. We served as youth pastors there as well. And so we were there for 18 years. And then the Lord said, it is time to hit the evangelistic field. And uh, my wife and I have been doing this now for three years. And so we are excited and ready to ramp up and see what God has been doing. Let me just say this, that the church of Jesus Christ never closed. Never closed. I'm so thankful that we have some leadership that say the church is essential, but, but God says the church is essential. And so we were so blessed and that, that, that we never lost speed. We got a chance to share the gospel with over 6,000 people from India virtually. It was awesome and it was incredible. And uh, uh, again, I was able to, typically I go to India. It takes about 14 hours to get there. It was kind of nice preaching from my home. It was really nice. It was just really different but nice but it was awesome and so we thank God for that well I believe that as you walked in this morning and I, I encouraged the first service as well of this Jesus is here and so by the time you leave that door something's going to happen that's why I love gathering together because there are some things that God can do when we're all together that he cannot do when you're by yourself and there are some things that God can do when you're by yourself that he cannot do all together. So this is so important. I want to bring you a message entitled, Inviting Jesus In. You know, I'm so thankful that all things God does is still for my good. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where are my young people at from last night? Hold on. Bang, boom, 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 boom. See how I just had to switch it up real quick because that's how I was last night. Just give me a moment with my young people. You're right there. Who else was here? What I tell you? I was coming with a bigger towel. I had a little, little handkerchief last night. I got a big old towel this morning. 
we had a great time last night, but uh, it's so good to see young people. I love churches with young people because it is a sign of life. It's a sign of life, and I'm so thankful for this house. But in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God is working for my good. In all things, good, bad, or indifferent, God is still working it out for my good. You see, those who have a relationship with Jesus realize this. There are tough seasons, yes, but I don't think there are bad seasons. Here's why. Because in the life of a believer, God can use the bad season and still use it for my good. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you do know this. I got saved. I was telling young people last night. I told the first service. I got saved at 19 years old. So I didn't have the privilege of learning all the Bible stories. I knew no Bible. I didn't know Bible songs like Father Abraham. Didn't know that song. You know, I didn't know the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, the... Okay, you're, you're with me a little bit. You're with me a little bit. I set it up perfectly for you guys. But I didn't know all those songs, so it was very, like, just new to me. But when I came to Christ at the age of, of, of 19, you know, the Bible is not given to us so that we can be just smarter sinners. But the Bible was given to us so that we can experience supernatural power. See, I don't want to just walk with Jesus but never experience his power. I want to walk with Jesus and experience the power and plan that he has for my life. And so I've been experiencing that at the age of 19. When I got saved, when I got saved, y'all, I got saved. Like, I don't know about the other salvations, but when I got saved... I got saved. You want to know how I got saved and I knew I got saved? Because when I got saved, I was there when I got saved. You get what I'm saying? Like I was in the same room when I got saved. And not only did I get saved, but then the, God spoke to my heart and he said, hey, you need to, you need to, I didn't go to like an evangelism class when I got saved. I went to the classroom of the Holy Spirit. And when I got saved, he was like, you need to share your faith. I said, well, I'm going to share this because what happened to me can happen to anybody. So the first person he told me to share with was my girlfriend. There's a problem. My girlfriend wasn't saved. And my girlfriend was Puerto Rican. I go, she ain't going to like this whole, this thing because she ain't saved, I'm saved. And he said, call your girlfriend. I said, all right. So I called her up. I said, you ain't going to believe this. Jesus, this guy came into my heart, and he said to tell you that we got to stop everything we're doing. And she was like, we'll talk when you get home. <laughs> I wasn't good. But then she got saved. And then my, th now she's my wife, praise God. Um, <laughs> she's my wife. Then not only did she get saved, but my mother-in-law got saved. If God can save your mother-in-law, he's a good, good father. Mother-in-law got saved. My mom got saved. My brothers got saved. My cousin got saved. Her cousins got saved. We're first-generation Christians in our family, and the gospel is still ripping through my family. Isn't that awesome? 
So God moves by his spirit. So the Bible is just not something we believe in. The Bible is something that we experience. We experience it. So let's talk about Jesus' first miracle. In John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, remember inviting Jesus in. He chooses to do his first miracle at a wedding banquet. I got you. Hold on. I got you. See, you didn't even know. I'm not preaching that. I got you. Dude, it was so cool seeing you at service last night, man. It was awesome. Is this yours? This was yours? Yeah? This is your, can you pass it to me real quick? Bang. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Okay, that's a good throw, man. You ready to catch it? You ready? Yes! Give it up, man! Love you, dude. That roll was just for me. See, when you come to church, things start rolling. You got to go pick it up. It's great seeing you last night. Where was I? John chapter 2. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana. My wife and I were there. And Jesus' mother was there. You know when your mother goes somewhere with you? How many know you act different? <laughs> young people like, my mom's in the room? Okay. I'm from the generation when you went to school, there was a telephone up in the same classroom. And when you act up, the teacher will walk over to the phone like this. Want me to call your mother? I'm good. I've been healed. I'm, I'm all right. You know, like something happens when your mother is there. Bible says that Jesus' mom was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them they have no more wine. So Jesus' mother told them. She didn't ask him. She told them. I mean, there's a difference between telling somebody and asking someone. Bible says his mother was there, and she told him they got no more wine. And Jesus told his mother. That won't work in 2020. <laughs> Dear woman, that's not my problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Remember, used for Jewish ceremonial washing. It was important. Each can hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars up with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master's ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where that come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. Jesus is not trying to give an instruction on how to create new wine. So just let me just put that out there. But I'm just telling you the Bible, okay? Some of you are like, man, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. Keep preaching. I got it. But you have kept the best till now. The miraculous sign at Canaan Galilee was the first time, was the first time, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And I love this next one. It says, and his disciples believed him. When you keep reading like the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those were the four Gospels, the life and teachings of Jesus. When you keep reading it, you'll see that it says in John chapter 2, and the disciples believed in him. But by the time Jesus rose up again, it said the same thing. Then the disciples believed in him. I don't know about you, but that's kind of my testimony. I need God to move in order for me to believe in him. I need God to move. 
I don't want to just believe and then nothing happened. I want to believe in a God who says he can, and I want to watch God move and do what he has to do. That's so awesome. Notice that although the disciples had been with Jesus, they never saw the manifestation of his power. Is it possible that as you follow Jesus, that you never experience Jesus? God, God, I want to experience your power. I want to see you do something new and different in my life. I don't want to just memorize the Bible. I want the Bible to memorize me. I want the Bible to live inside of me. I don't want it to just be something I believe. I want it to be something inside of me that is so powerful and different. And it's, The Bible says the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, man. This book is powerful. So what must I do? What's the secret or the key to seeing the manifestation of Jesus working in our lives? Jesus could have been anywhere in the world, and yet he chose to be at a wedding. Why was Jesus at this wedding? Jesus was at this wedding simply because he was invited. Which tells me this, Jesus only goes to places where he's invited. Here's why this is important, I believe, because nowadays in our nation, we want God's blessing and his protection, but we don't want Jesus present. So we say, Jesus, you're no longer invited in our courthouses. You're not invited in our government. You're not invited in our schools. You're not invited in our communities. You're not invited in our homes. You're not invited in our marriages. You're not invited in our relationships. But Jesus only goes to places where he's invited. I love Mark chapter 5 because Mark is like, if you read the book of Mark, it's like, like a fast-paced gospel. It's like Jesus is just doing stuff. It's so cool. It doesn't do all the genealogy stuff. They get right to the action. I like that. But it shows Jesus as a servant. And Jesus said this, I have not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So in Mark's gospel, you'll see Jesus fast-pacing some miracles. And one of these were in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, and it says in verses 21 through 24 that there were two kinds of religious groups back then. You remember the Pharisees, right? And then the other group, the, the Pharisees were the ones who believed in the resurrection. They believed in God and the power of the resurrection. And then you had the sad, you see? You had the Sadducees. And these were the people that gave Jesus a hard time, didn't believe in the resurrection and angels and all those things. So you had these two groups that were always after Jesus, wanting to push him over, always questioning the Bible. So when I see the synagogue ruler coming up to Jesus without questioning, but in need, I thought something's going on here. The Bible says, when Jesus again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Now watch. Notice how he didn't get into religious 
kind of uh, uh, confusion or religious talk or what do you think about the resurrection or who do you say that you are? Notice that when people are in need, they can care less what you believe in, but if you serve the God that who's the great I am and who can do miracles, we don't have to get in religious talk when my God does miracles. See, I believe that we are entering into a season as the body of Christ where people want to see God move. I want to see God move. And so we see, I, I love Jairus because Jairus does something a little bit different. He goes, Jesus, I don't want you to just come with me. But notice what he says. Jesus, can you place your hand on my daughter? Because if you place your hand on my daughter, she's not only going to be healed, but she's going to live. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but where are you asking Jesus to place his hand at? Are we too religious to get Jesus to place his hand in our situation? I don't know about you, but I need God's hand all over my life. Bible says, verse 24, miracle. So Jesus went with them. You only go to places where he's invited. I think the first place we got to invite Jesus into is, number one, our hearts. The most important place we can ever invite Jesus is into our hearts. Scripture says in John 2, 2, Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. They say that between the ages of 13 and 18, if an individual does not give their life to Christ, your percentage goes way down if you will ever come to Christ. I was 19, so I was headed in the wrong direction fast. But God got a hold of my life. I was attending Montclair State University, minding my own business. I cared about two things, basketball and my girlfriend. That was my life. 19, my grandmother passes away. I went to the funeral and saw my grandmother in a casket. That's what you kind of do. I looked at the casket and I go, nah. There's got to be more than just this. Is that it? I had all these questions. I didn't know who to go to. Remember, I don't know the Bible. There's nobody in my family that lives for God. So I'm looking at my grandmother going, something, got, it's got to be more than just this. I got back, you know, God placed that in my heart because the Bible says he places eternity in all of our hearts. I got back, I'm kind of going through this morning and, and a guy invites me to this Bible study that I wasn't going to, by the way. But I was a nice guy, so I told him I was going. But ain't nobody got time for that. I wasn't going to no Bible study. So I told him I was going, didn't go. But I didn't know that Bible studies happen every week. So I thought I just missed out on the Bible study forever. So he came back over to us and invited us again. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. When was that Thursday? 7 o'clock, Bone Hall. That's right. How did I forget? So sorry. I'm going to watch the Bulls versus Knicks. That's what I do. I'm a basketball player. 
Don't you know God knows that I'm a basketball player and he knows exactly where I'm going to be at 7 o'clock? So although I didn't know I was going to the Bible study, God knew I was going to the Bible study. I stepped in, the guy's looking right at me, so I stepped into the Bible study not knowing that my destiny was about to change. I opened up my heart to Christ. What I did not know was all the stuff that comes with salvation. You get, you get more than what you asked for. Let me just help you out. If you're not saved in here, I'm praying that don't leave this place without getting this. When you get saved, I didn't know the Bible, but here's what I got in return. I got a new life, a new heart. I'm talking instantly. New life, new heart, new mind, new vision, new dreams, new start, new beginning, new favor, new joy, new peace, new strength, new victory. I got it all. I got it all. I got it all. So I'm like, what is this? Jesus, I didn't even know you lived outside of the church. You came into my heart. I get all of this. And what are you asking of me? All he said was, I want you. I think the greatest thing about salvation is that all your sins are forgiven. Okay, let me help you out with this. When I read the Bible, there's like some scripture verses that are like, you can't forget about. Like you got to walk with these on your heart. One of those scripture verses is found in the book of Romans. Romans is my favorite book of the Bible. They say for the book of Romans, if you were stuck on a stranded island without any kids or anybody, you're like, that sounds really good. Stay with me here, okay? If you're stuck on that island, if there's one thing you can bring, bring the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, Paul does like this major pivot. Like he builds this case and then he bumps into this word called therefore. Whenever you see therefore, you may want to find out what it's there for. So it's usually like a punch in the devil's face. That's why I love therefores. One of the therefores is Romans 8.1. Let me show you. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, only peace. No condemnation, only joy. No condemnation, it's a gift from God and it's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Okay. Let me help you out with this, okay? I, I just feel like I got some time in this little second service because I got to explain. Okay, so... Sometimes, sometimes, I'm just telling you my testimony, right? Don't judge me, okay? But sometimes I got to go to court. Okay, you're like, what did you do? I don't know. But like when I get behind the wheel, sometimes I go a little fast. Just a little bit. Not too much, but like sometimes, I, whatever. It's like, ah, what's wrong with my foot? Officer, it goes, it pushes, I got a condition, it's called fast. I'm so sorry. And so you get in trouble and the lights come on and they say, you need to go to court. So I go to court. And I'm like feeling like I, I did something really bad because I'm with everybody there. I'm with like 
ex-murderers. And I'm like, whoa, all I did was go a little over the speed limit. And the guy, before you go to, you go to the, I was going to say the church, but you go to the courthouse and they say, hey, you need to go talk to the prosecutor. And I'm like, the prosecutor? Who's the prosecutor? And he's like, the guy over there in the corner, he's making some deals. I'm like, so I just want to talk to the judge. No, you need to go to the prosecutor before you go to the judge. So I go over to the prosecutor and I'm introducing myself. He already knows my name. He knows my birth certificate. He got my, my social security number. I've never met this dude a day before in my life. And you know what he does? He looks at me and goes, you're guilty. You don't even know me. You know me talking about I'm guilty. I'm not guilty. He goes, listen, man, you want a four-pointer or a two-pointer? I'm like, wow, 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 two-pointer sounds really good. Yeah, two-pointer, pay the fines and get on out of here. Are you guilty? Well, I'm kind of not guilty, but you want to go to, uh, you want to go to, you want to take this thing to trial? Mm, no, don't want to take it to trial. Okay, so say you're guilty, go in front of the, I'm not guilty though. He goes, go in there, two-pointer, whatever, get out of here. Stand before the judge. You don't talk back to the judge. You just get the verdict with the judge. Once you take care of things here, judge says your name, boom, go pay your little fee, right? But do you know that's what Satan does? He points at you and says, you're guilty. He reads all the charges. He knows your name. He knows everything you did. And he hates you. He hates your family, he hates your future, and he loves to keep people in their past. But I don't know about you, on the opposite side of the room, there's an advocate. And my advocate, his name is Jesus. And what he does is, come on somebody, what he does is, he covers me, so by the time I get before the judge who's able to justify me, he goes, I don't see anything wrong with him because all I see is my shed blood all over him. You are free to leave this courtroom. Therefore, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, there's another therefore. Would you believe it? It's Paul again. Would you believe it? He goes, therefore, there is now no condemnation, right? But then he goes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old, the new, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, I don't know if Paul, if he was standing right here, he would go, your past is in the past. And God has given you a brand new now and a brand new future that is promised only for those in Christ Jesus. Man, you kidding me? Sign me up. But how many of you know when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you also ask for uninvited problems? I wasn't saved for too long to realize that just because you're saved don't mean you ain't going to have no problems. Anybody got problems in here? <laughs> My wife like, you got major problems. I know. But Jesus comes into our problems too. In John chapter 2, verse 3, we read something, we read something very interesting here. It says... The wine supply ran out. Okay, 2020 context. Can you imagine inviting all these people over your house? And all of a sudden you run out of food. And the only reason why they're there is for your food. They don't care about you. They just want your food. And then you run out. People upset. And they paid. They're, they're ticked off. 
But I want you to see here, it says, the wine supply runs out, so Jesus' mother, the, the one who had him, told him, I'm from that generation that you do whatever your mother tells you to do, and you don't talk back. I'm from that generation. I'm from that generation when my mama says be in the house at 7, you be in the house by 7. I'm from that generation I grew up where we didn't have cell phones and watches. That was too rich for us. But what we had was called street lights. And when those street lights turned on, you knew it was just about time to make your way back home. And if my mama, let me tell you about my mama. If my mama screamed out the window, and she said, Jamal! if she did that, and you weren't in an air shot throw away, you was in trouble. I don't know their culture. I don't know what kind of mama Mary was, but Mary's told Jesus, we got no more wine. I want you to see what Mary did in this John chapter 2, verse 4 and 3. She goes over to, now Jesus is cool because Jesus never, you never see Jesus running anywhere. Like you, it'd be weird to see. Jesus is running over the Judean mountainside. That's weird. He was never in a rush. He was always on time. So I just want, just stay with me for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Can we just live in the scripture a little bit? How did Jesus get to the, to the wedding? I just want to think, he didn't take no camel. He walked. He gets to the wedding. He's like, boys, watch this. I think he was chilling in the corner. Because Jesus was always there, but not really there. He was always getting away in little bushes or whatever. So Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to be here because there are people here. Man, I don't really want to be here. I'm only here because I got invited. You know how it is. You're only there for the cake. So at the celebration, here's Mary. Jesus is chilling. Mary's like, we got a problem. And I know the one person that can fix the problem, so I'm going to go over to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, JJ. Hey, hey. Jesus, we got a problem. They, we, they ran out of wine. We, we, we ran out of wine. And uh, Jesus is like, woman? I don't know if he had a bad day that day or what. He just, woman, that's not my problem. Okay, what does she do with that? If I'm Mary, <laughs> if I'm Mary, I'm, I wasn't Mary. But she turns, she goes, okay, that's not your problem. Okay, she turns to the servants. You can read it yourself. And she said, boys, do whatever he tells you to do. Back up. Jesus said, that's not his problem. So how are you going to tell the people to do something he didn't say he was going to do? Mary, how did you know? The reason why Mary was able to press through not my problem is because Mary never heard no. Is there something that's going on in your life to where you're assuming the reason why God hasn't answered yet is because you're taking it as a no when God is not taking it as a no, but he's saying, will you just wait on my timing? 
So he goes over and he's like, that's not my problem. She goes, boys, do whatever he tells you to do. Where did Mary get this from? Mary gets it from Luke 138. Do you remember Mary? It was the same Mary, a teenager, and she was pregnant by God. What? Mm-hmm. If I came home and my wife goes, I'm pregnant, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Not really, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not, that's cool, but not cool because we already got five. We only need six, you know what I'm saying? But that's cool. And she goes, well, this one's not yours. Mm -mm. I love my young people because my young people are like very like, whoa, <laughs> like, they, you know what I mean? You didn't do that. That's why I love young people. They're like, I know what this means. This is a scandal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I love young people in the house. All oh, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. They're like, ooh. <laughs> we will have some. And then she goes, um, I'm pregnant by God. That's what I would have done. I would have hit the floor. <laughs> I don't, you know what? Now's a good time to pass out. Here's Mary, teenager. No one ever touched Mary. Visitation from an angel. And the angel goes, Mary. I, I don't, I, I'm just guessing that's how he said her name, but not real. Like, M Mary, um, you are pregnant with child, and the one conceived in you is from the Holy Spirit. I would have passed out. But Mary was like, how can this be? Like, I would have been like, you crazy? Like, yeah, I just, I'm just, whatever. That's just my whatever. And so Mary, but Mary in Luke 138 does something so powerful with this amazing promise Luke 138 tells me where, where Mary was because Mary was highly favored from God. Here's why. She goes, I am. No, notice what she said. Young people, last night we were talking about identity. Watch how Mary handled identity. She said, I am the Lord's servant. This is powerful because when you say I am the Lord's servant, what you're saying is I go where he tells me to go. I do what he tells me to do. I say what he tells me to say. Why? Because there's a difference between Lord and there's a difference between Savior. A lot of people accept Jesus as Savior but reject him as Lord. God says I want to be your Lord and your Savior. When he's your Lord, he tells you where to go, what to do, how to handle your finances, how to treat your wife, how to handle your kids even when they're being disrespectful you want to pop them right now. You're guided not by emotion, you're guided by the Holy Spirit. You're not guided by emotion, you're guided by the Word of God, the lamp of God. The Word of God is the lamp for my feet. What our world needs is spirit-filled believers that know Jesus. Know Jesus. So, so Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. She says, may your word to me, notice what she said, may your word to me be fulfilled. Okay. What do I do when I'm afraid and I don't understand? I lean not on my emotion, but I learn to lean on the word of God. And I lean on the word of God until my emotions catch up with the promise. Come on, am I preaching in this room? You get what I'm saying? Because I'm telling you right now, there are problems in your life that will try to steal your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, and all you're doing is wowing out. The Word of God is the only thing on planet Earth that can stabilize the believer. Without the Word of God, I go crazy. You give me the Word of God, and it settles me. 
I could be in the midst of a storm and God, just one word from God, one promise from him has a way of settling the storm. I'm in the midst of a storm, but when he settles my heart, I don't even realize I'm in a storm. You kind of get what I'm saying? You don't get what I'm saying. I got saved the first storm I hit. Enemy attacked my mom. I was 19 years old, and my mom, I can't, Pastor, you got to have me back, because I got I to share so many stories with your congregation. I'm a mess. Uh, and me attacked my family. I wasn't saved for too long. But mom decided to have more kids after me. Different. I'm 19 years old, Mom. You, you, ain't, in, you ain't in that season no more, Mom. So my goes, I'm, I'm, I'm in that season, I'm in that season. All right, mom, go ahead, do you, do you, do you, boo, do you, do you, boo. She had twins. I went, okay, mom. Wow, that's a lot. I just want you to know I'm not coming back home. <laughs> I'm being like dead serious. I'm not coming home. I'm already, I'm not coming home. And I wasn't coming home because she gave the kids my bedroom. I was like, wow, you didn't even wait for me to leave. I'm like, wow, God, wow, wow. Wow, I didn't even need to know. Wow, 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 wow. And then my mom after that had a third child. I'm like, Mom, what in the world? Mom, that's three kids in like two years. I'm like, Mom, are you trying to start all over? Are you trying to forget about us? Like, what, what's going on? But that third child almost killed her. Given her age, mom was in her 40s. You're like, wow, that's old. I know. I get a call from the hospital. It was my dad. And I heard the quiver in his voice. And mom wasn't serving God at the time. He said, Jamel, you need to get to the hospital. Mom's not going to make it. When you hear mom's not going to make it, and you see twins already born and a third, oh, you, prayer gets real, real, real serious real quick. And I remember driving up to the hospital saying, God, not my will, your will be done, Lord. And I remember the peace of God flooding that car. And by the time I got up to that hospital, she already coded twice. She was done. Hemorrhage twice. It was bad. And she says she made a deal with God on her deathbed. She said, God, if you grow into my nostrils, if you, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. At the amazement of the doctor, she pulled herself off of life support. Pulled herself out of life support. Doctors going crazy, scrambling, because they thought the woman was alone and dead. But when Jesus comes into a room, Things change. Mom's serving God. Man, she is an awesome woman of God. She ain't having no more kids. <laughs> season is over. But mom's serving God. The twins are now, what, 20 years old? And I'm like, wow, man, this is... So when I preach about this Jesus, he did some stuff in my life. And that's why I can testify about him, because I know his word does not go out and return void. And I know there's someone in this room that needs a, a miracle. And I'm telling you, if Jesus is in this place, and I know he is, he'll bring you through it. He steps into the problem. What happens when you run? You probably won't run out of wine. Lord willing, you will if you are. For us, it's not a wine supply running out. What happens when your patients run out? 
What happens when your peace runs out, your confidence, your passion, your joy, your, your spouse, your kids? We begin to fill up real quick with anxiety and depression and worry. But I love what Mary did. You know, Mary, she could have took her problems to anybody. She could have Googled a review on this restaurant. Like, man, don't go here. They'd be running out of wine. She, she could have did everything. But notice what Mary, Mary did. Mary, Mary did not take her problems to people that couldn't fix it. She took her problem to the one person that can fix it. It, it would be kind of weird, like, whatever, if, if I show up at a, <clears throat> at a hospital and be like, hey, doctor, I'm having this problem with my vehicle. Can you fix my car? Doctor would be like, are you kidding me, son? I got patience to work on. You talking about your car? Yeah, because this is the place where I bring my car. They, they, they'll put me in. They, it won't be good. I won't, I won't, it won't be good if I did that. Oh, what happens if I show up to mechanic and go, hey, mechanic, man, I got this bum knee. I've been struggling, like, big time. And I know you fix cars or whatever, but while you're, like, on your lunch break, can you take a look at my ligaments and kind of fix me up here? He'll look at me like, it's the same way what we do with Jesus. Why, why do we take our problems to people who can't fix it? Jesus is like, I can fix your problem. Just bring it to me. I can handle your mess. I can handle your family. If I can handle your sin, surely I can handle the problems in your life. I can fix them. But what, what, what allowed Mary to do this? What allowed Mary to do this is because she just didn't accept her into her heart. She didn't just accept Jesus into her problems. But I believe she accepted Jesus into her life. When you walk with Jesus, it's more than just the heart area. Yes, Lord, I give you my heart. So many of us stop there and we miss out on the blessings of God. We go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to ask you into my heart so that I get to go to heaven. That's great. But if Jesus doesn't come back for a while and you only have him in this expectation of heaven and we get nothing done here on earth, why, oh, why? Do we need the power of his spirit? It's more. The life. Scripture says, but his mother told the servants, <laughs> do whatever he tells you to do. That is the prerequisite of a miracle. Just do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Could you imagine if the servants went and went like this? Jesus, you telling me that's 30 gallons. Where are we going to get this? I'm tired. Gee, I've been working all day. Nobody got time to be filling up them six, six. No, Jesus. Nope. Bible says they just did what they were supposed to do. Here's why. Because they knew they were servants. And they listened to the master. So they filled up the water jars. And I love this. Bible says that those water jars were for Jewish ceremonial washing. In other words, when people walked into that banquet hall, they would get their hands washed, their feet washed. That's all that was for. But watch, when Jesus gets a hold of it, he can turn things that what it was for and make you into things you thought you didn't know you had. So he fills up the water jar and he brings it to the disciples. And they experienced the miracle. But the miracle will always be in obedience and sacrifice. I was uh, traveling 
to Mexico uh, last year. And on that trip to Mexico, there was a, I like, I like the end of missions trips because after 10 days, I'm ready to go see my wife. Notice I didn't say my kids. And I'm not playing. I want to, here's, I'm going to be with my wife until I die. Them kids, they're going to go. They're out of here. So I love, I love her. I put up with my kids because they're connected to her. I'm just, I like my kids, y'all. So I'm ready. I'm packing up the group. I tell the missionary, he looked at me. He says, hey, what time you want? What time we, what time you leaving? I said, well, it depends on what time the airplane's leaving. He said, my flight, one o'clock. Perfect. I want to be at the airport at nine. He goes, your, your flight's at one. And you want me here at nine. 10, 11, 12. Bro, the airport's 30 minutes away. I said, perfect. I'm one of those guys that get to the airport early and watch planes just take off. You know why? Because I don't want no plane leaving me. I want to be there early. I don't want to be the guy running through the airport with no brain. Doesn't look good. So I tell the team, come on. I get in the van. Van picks us up. I'm, I'm kind of like, like waving to everybody. It's the best. I'm like, hey, I'm telling all the hotel attendants, so good to see you. Thank you so much for taking good care of us, the team. We God bless. Oh, we love you so much. We'll see you next year. Do it all over again. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Take care. All right, team. Hurry up. All right, everybody. Keep going. Team's getting in the car. I'm getting in the car. I'm, I love when the door shuts. It's awesome. Pack the back. I get in and I get a little pull on my shirt. I thought my kids were there because they're the only ones that pull on my shirt, you know. So pull on my shirt. It was a missionary. And Mr. Jones said, hey, this guy wants prayer. Right now? Okay. He, he, go, he wants a miracle. He needs healing for his hand. I go, right now? Okay. So I start praying for him. Praying for him. Believing God for healing. I gave him my best prayer because I knew I was done after this. So I gave him the last one left. I'm praying. I'm praying hard. I'm praying so hard. I mean, I sense the presence of the Lord. And while I'm praying for him, this is crazy. While I'm praying for him, God said, give him your sneakers. That ain't God. Ain't nothing but the devil. Devil ain't going to be having me walking around no Mexico with no shoes on. Devil, ha ha, you thought you had me. Ha, ha, ha. No, you ain't getting my shoes, devil. And so I go back to praying because it's, it's tripping. I process God's voice three ways. Is it me? Is it the devil or is it God? It's just that simple. I said, it surely ain't me because these are my sneakers. Surely it's the devil because he want me walking out here, no airport, no shoes. I go, ha, 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 no. So I go back to praying for him, real spiritual. And God spoke again, said, give him your shoes. I said, ha, ha, you almost got me. And I go back to praying because I'm believing, like, when I'm talking to God, Holy Spirit, you can't be rude and break up the prayer. That cannot be the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? I, that's the way I'm processing. If that ain't biblical, I'm sorry. I, that's me, okay? So whatever. He, so he hit the third one. He goes, give him your sneakers. So when he said that, I did the most spiritual thing. You would have did the same thing. Don't judge me. I went up to my brother because I was in front of him. Then I went beside him. And yes, I did. I measured up. I went like this. I went like this. Nope, don't fit. Nope. He said, give him your sneakers, not those, the ones in your bag. 
I go, the ones in my bag, those, they're in my bag for a reason. Those are the special ones. You know what I'm saying? So I go into the special bag, and I went there. I went to my bag. I'm like, you know what? You know what, Lord? You know what? Here, here. I, I get toothbrush, toothpaste, underwear. Yes, I did. Underwear, T-shirt. I gave him everything. I bring the bag. You know why I gave him everything? Because I knew the Holy Spirit told me to give him more stuff, but I was too busy running my mouth. So I didn't want to miss anything. So I took the bag and gave it to him. When I gave him my bag, he went like this. Why are you giving me this bag? I didn't know the language, so I couldn't even explain to him. Just take the bag. Get in the car. I'm like, okay, Lord. <laughs> that was fun. I get in the car. Feel, feeling good. I get another tug. I'm going, what? I was here all week. Nobody tugged on me. I was here all week. This time, it was a demon-possessed lady walked by. And I saw her when we were praying. She walks by. Her boyfriend comes back, and he was looking for the Christians. He's asking, are you Christians? Cristiano, are you Cristiano? And I go, and the missionary goes, his, his, the girl is demon-possessed, and she needs prayer. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know I was going to be fighting with demons at 9 in the morning, y'all. So I, I did one of these. I'm, like, walking over there. Now I'm mad. I'm mad for many reasons. So I walk over there. You got to walk different when you're about to approach a demon. So you got to just have, have that walk like that. Just got to have that different walk. You can't walk over there nice. I walk over there like you're about to. I just did what the Bible tells me to do. I don't come in my name. I come in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Release her. When every time we said the name Jesus, her head is banging against the wall. I'm thinking, oh, my word, it's shaking her. And I just whispered the name of Jesus again, a little bit louder. And a demon releases out of her. You see it happening right before our eyes. All the people on the balcony are watching. The first thing she did was she turned to her boyfriend. And she just hugged him and cried. Boy, isn't that what God does when he releases people from demons? He brings them back into relationship. So that was done. Now I'm feeling good, y'all. <laughs> Gave away some sneakers. Wrestle with a demon. We can go now. Going back to the car. Step in there. No more tugs. I get in. I go, oh, yeah. I'm telling the team, that was crazy. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, you know how God speaks to you? He goes, do you know why I asked you to give away your sneakers? And we're having like this conversation. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know. He goes, because if you don't do what I ask you to do in the natural, you'll never experience the supernatural. All Jesus asked for were some natural jars. Did he need the jars? No. He was just willing to see, will you do what he asked you to do? Let me just tell you this, God don't need you. God don't need your toys either. When Jesus called his disciples, you remember Jesus walking on water? And then another case, he was saying, Peter, give me your boat. I am, you just walked on water. Obviously, you don't need a boat. Why in the world would you ask for his boat when you can walk on water? 
He wants you to know that he don't need your boat. He don't need your toys. But if you're willing to say, God, everything that I have belongs to you, you will see God do supernatural miracles through your life, through your home, through your family, through your job. You just say, Jesus, not only my heart, but my life belongs to you. Everything I have does not belong to me. It belongs to you, Jesus. You know what I did on uh, Thursday? You know what I did on Thursday? I did a funeral of a person I never met before. Awkward. I go, how did you get my number? They said, we don't know. Can you do my mother's funeral? Who's your mother? I don't know your mother, but God knows your mother. I said, let me check my dates, knowing that never are my dates available. So I'm like, this is easy. I'm not going to be able to do it. I already had the answer in my heart. But then God looked at it, and he goes, Thursday. I said, Thursday is my day off. God, that's my day off. I want you to do the funeral. I go, I guess it's not my day off. I get there and I got the chance to preach the gospel. And when I tell you it was powerful, and all the people there got a chance to experience Jesus. Jesus is bigger than your day off, people. And he wants your hearts. All over this room, would you pray with me? Come on, if you're watching, or you're watching online, praise God, believing that God's going to speak to you. If you're in this place, I know I sweat, I move around a lot, and I told young people that I spit. But I do that only simply to tell you how much God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The wine would have never ran out if they had more jars. It would have never ran out. It would have never ran out. God never runs out on you. Just let him in. If you're here, and maybe you don't call Grace Assembly your home, or maybe you do. You've been coming for a while, and you just know, maybe you're watching online, and you just know, man, I need to get reconnected with Jesus. I, I accepted him as Savior, but man, I'm not living for God as Lord. And I, I, I just need to surrender my walk with God to him. If that is you, man, God wants to speak to you. Or maybe you're here and you've never asked Christ to come into your life. I was 19 when I asked Christ to come into my life. Do not leave this place without a relationship with Jesus. And you're here, or maybe you're here and you're a believer, you follow Jesus, you love him, but you're in the midst of a storm. I believe that God wants to give you breakthrough. So whatever that is, God wants to speak to your life. But if that's you, and you say, Pastor, yes, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. No one looking around, it's just you and Jesus. But if that's you, it just helps me to know who I'm praying for. This church does not embarrass people. They love people into the kingdom of God. And if that's you, you say, yes, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand right now. Just say, yes, that's me. I need to surrender. God bless you. 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 Anyone else saying, yes, that's me. God bless you, man. God sees you. He sees you. He knows you by name. Wow, God wants to come and do what only he can do. Would you stand with me? 
Would you stand with me? I know, I know that during this, this season right now, I know that it's, it's, it's a bit awkward. I get it. But heaven is open, man. And those hands went up of saying, yes, I need Jesus and to come into my life. I'm going to ask the elders of this wonderful church to come. It takes boldness to lift up your hand. It takes boldness. But it takes faith to allow boldness to work in the area of faith that puts feet with your commitment. I don't know what it is about an altar response like this, but the Bible says when you ask Jesus to come into your life, there's a party going on. And you came in here and Jesus simply wants to love on you. And he wants to give you a brand new start, a brand new life. And I give, I, man, praise God for those of you that lifted up your hand just a moment ago. But we got to seal the deal. It's like being married, right? And, and I, I, I had to tell my wife, I go, I love you so much. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. At some point it's like, all right, dude. Where's the ring? I'm like, all right, I'm getting to it. No, no, where's the ring? And I had to seal it. Say, yes, I'm ready to commit my life to you. For some of you, you have not committed to Jesus. But he's committed to you. This morning, God wants you to seal the deal in Jesus' name. And for those of you that say, yes, that's me, if you're able to, with the church celebration behind you, would you respond by coming in one front of these elders here of saying, yes, that's me. I need to return to Jesus. I need to give him my life. I need to give him my heart. And I guarantee you this, you won't be alone. Grace Assembly of God will embrace you and say, praise God, Jesus just saved another soul. If that's you, come on, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. Guy in the back, man, I want you to come. Be bold and say, yes, that's me. I want to come and receive Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So right now, Jesus wants to come into our lives. I wonder if all of us can do this together with our good friends up at this altar of asking Jesus to come into our lives. What a great day at Grace Assembly of God. The reason why the church is essential is because heaven is essential. Heaven is essential and people are coming to Jesus. And the Bible says they're being welcomed in by the presence of God. Names are being written down in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. God's still saving souls. Would you pray this with me? Come on. Say this nice and loud with our friends that just responded of asking Jesus in. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, I believe that you died on a cross. But you rose from the dead. Change me. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start with you. 
I choose to live for you now. Help me to surrender that I may live for you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome?